Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Our first reading from Romans today, chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You please rise if you're able to. The reading of Matthew. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to sell accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused and said, He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until they could pay back all that he owed. And this is how Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. I'd invite you to uh, pray with me. Gracious God, we come striving to hear your word. And so God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts that you would give us the message that you have for us, that you would challenge us and encourage us all along this journey. God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I encourage you, as I always do, you've got your bulletins handy inside. You've got your uh, spots that you can take notes. There's also places that have Scripture readings throughout the week, as well as questions that you can reflect on. Uh, and so I ha- encourage you to have that open to those notes, uh, to, uh, to take notes, jot down things when the Spirit speaks to you and nudges you a little bit and, uh, and maybe pushes you a little that you write that down so that you can remember those times and those, and those moments that, that God is speaking. I also encourage you that if you have a question uh, that my cell number is in the bulletin, you can certainly text a question into me and I will see what I can do about addressing that particular question for you this morning. So I think I've got to start with something because this has been shared with me a number of different times over the course of this series of The, uh, the Woman Caught in Adultery. And, uh, and so here's, here's what it was. You know, there was a uh, the story came out and whether or not it made it in Scripture in this form or it made it in a different form where, where they were talking about it in the early days of, of uh, writing all of this stuff down. And, and so here's the story that they're telling about a woman caught in adultery being dragged out in front of this group. And, and Jesus speaks up and says, look, those of you without sin cast the first stone. And certainly thinking that nothing would happen, a stone flew across the room. And he said, Mom! just had to share that, all right? <laughs> all right, so, so two weeks ago, we began this series that was based on an interview uh, given by Brian Stevenson, and you remember him. He's the one that, that formed the Equal Justice Initiative uh, regarding this book uh, turned into a movie called Just Mercy, a story based, uh, true story based on Johnny D, who was wrongfully convicted of murder uh, and sentenced to death row. And Brian Stevenson fought for Johnny D, as I said last week, because his mom told him to always fight for those who needed it the most. Well, the article which was focused on this particular interview was forwarded to me by Carol, Carol Hecht, and, uh, and as she listened to the Spirit's guidance and offered that to us. And that is certainly how we have found ourselves now here in the final week of this series called Stone Catchers. And we can certainly see how this theme would relate to the story of the woman being caught in adultery and how Jesus stepped between her and those wishing to stone her to death. During this series, we have been focusing on on three characters, if you remember. Uh, In the previous two weeks, we've discussed a story about what Jesus would do, especially as the Pharisees were trying to trap him and looking for this particular response from Jesus. And then we turned and we had a focus on the woman, who she was, and and how the religious leaders used her as a pawn to try and get what they wanted from Jesus. And today, today we turn our focus to the crowd gathered that day, wanting to see justice for the crime. Or was there more to it? I distinctly remember a short story I read in school a long time ago, a story by Shirley Jackson, and I wonder if any of you have ever read this. It was, it was a story called The Lottery, and some of you I know have read this. Some of you have said, yeah. It's a strange story that took a dark turn as the winner of the annual town lottery would be stoned to death. Sorry for the spoiler. <laughs> Still is a great story to read, haunting Uh, But it was the beginning of the story where we find many of the the younger people and the kids almost excited 
about this event. We even see this as the lottery finished and the selection was made as people started choosing the rocks they wanted to use, some type of guilty pleasure in participating. We can liken this to some of the activities we see in the world today. People slow down or stop what they're doing to witness something out of the ordinary, an argument or a fight or an accident. How many have been caught in, what do they call it, gapers delays? <laughs> People will also join in on social media to, to bully another person for their beliefs. As gruesome as the lottery is, we haven't changed all that much. This is the crowd. This is us at times. So today, I, I would like you to place yourself in the crowd. I want you to try to picture yourself there on that day, waiting to hear what Jesus would say. You've heard the commotion and, and come out of your homes, businesses, and from places of recreation, or, or maybe from just a restful stroll through town. You want to know what's going on, and you begin to hear people talk of an act of, an adul of adultery, and that someone should be stoned to death. Maybe you find a rock or two. Maybe it's a small one, easily thrown. Maybe you want that really large one. You know, the one that is a little difficult to pick up. Either way, you have your judgment stone. And you gather with the other townspeople in a circle around this woman. Who is she? Why haven't I noticed her before? Did, didn't I see her at the market the other day? Well, now think of it. She might have been at the well earlier. No, wait, she's, she's like someone I've seen at the temple praying. Are you trying to figure out who she is and how you might have known her? You hear some of the church leaders level charges against her, but they're not addressing the usual person. You see, they're asking Jesus. They want to know what He thinks about this woman. Certainly, He is going to pass judgment on her. He knows Scripture. He knows the Jewish law. You better get ready for the pronouncement of guilt. You don't want to miss your chance to participate in the final act. Silence. You notice Jesus bending over, close to the ground. What could He be doing? He's, he's writing something, but, but what? You strain your neck to get a glimpse they get a glimpse of the words or the symbols, but it's difficult to see. The leaders seem a little agitated as they ask him again about the woman's, about what the woman's sentence should be. Clearly, they know better. They know she should be stoned to death for committing this heinous crime. 
At this second questioning, Jesus stands up, and He looks like He's going to say something. Here comes the judgment, right? A hush falls over the crowd, and everyone hears Jesus as He says, you who are without sin cast the first stone. Wait, what? What did you just say? I mean, everyone is in stunned silence as Jesus once again bends over and starts to write on the ground. Now, however, you are much closer to Him, and you can begin to see what He is writing. Stealing, lying, cheating, adultery, murder, worshiping other gods, dishonoring your parents, and the list grows as He writes. Wait a minute. Some of those things are the ones that I've committed. How does He know? As you look around at the others in the crowd, the realization of what is happening and what Jesus is writing is starting to set in. People are dropping their stones. They're dropping them and they're walking away. Maybe it's when they notice a sin that they've committed. Or maybe they don't want to see if Jesus is going to write their sin. Either way, they drop their stone and they walk away, leaving the stones behind. Should you do the same thing? As you contemplate your decision, let's reflect on what you're holding. Is it just a stone? Or is it judgment? I wonder if it might be a symbol of forgiveness that you need to give, but you're not willing to? How many times do you pass judgment on others? Now, I don't mean uh, as part of a jury or a legal process, but when you see others at the store, driving down the road, at the game, or maybe here in church, what judgments have you passed on them? Do you judge the way they look? how they're dressed, the way they talk. How big would those stones be for those judgments? What about the political party they belong to? How they feel about social issues? Or maybe it was the completely wrong way they made those cheesy hash brown potatoes. (laughs) I mean, really, who puts mushrooms in those anyway? How huge would that stone be? I wonder, I wonder how we would act if we thought about all the times, big and small, that we passed some kind of judgment on another person and tried to decide what stone that would be. Every judgment passed equals another stone. We may even want to make sure that we carried those stones with us. You never know when you might need one. Maybe you remember that service we talked a little while ago about forgiveness in the backpack that I carried. That's a burden that you don't want to carry, brothers and sisters. 
But how do we get rid of them? How do we actually drop our stones like that crowd did that day? Forgiveness is one of those words that can be wonderful to hear or one that fills you with dread. Forgiveness can be the most difficult word to live out, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, some of you may need to hear this this morning, so let me say this. You are not defined by your worst act. You are not defined by your worst act. Forgiveness is given to us even when we might feel that we are unforgivable. That's what Jesus is expressing to this, to this woman caught in adultery. And people didn't think this was forgivable. It's punishable by death. But Jesus teaches otherwise. So no matter what you've done, Jesus has loving words for you today. To express this thought, we have our story from Matthew, this, this very well-known parable which talks about God's forgiveness, His forgiveness for us. But there are some challenges found within. We begin with Peter's words as he thought he was being generous with forgiveness, as he mentions forgiving seven times. You see, the religious leaders would have agreed to three times, but no more. Our society, I think, has even shortened that up a bit more. You've heard the phrase, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Society tells us that we should only give two chances. Whatever happened to three strikes? But Jesus responds with not two, not three, Not even the seven times that Peter is asking about, but 77 times. Or some translations have it 70 times seven. That is a lot of forgiveness. And just so you don't start keeping score, marking the number of times you've forgiven your spouse, your kids, your parents, or friends, or the number that Jesus gives really is hyperbole. There is no number. Because with our relationship with God, there is no number of times that He wouldn't forgive. Does this mean that, that, we should, that we should go out and sin even more because we know that God will take us back? Paul writes about that in Romans 6 when he asks that rhetorical question. The question that says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And I hope I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> Somebody asked a question about forgiveness and forgetting and if there was a difference between the two. And I would say yes. There is a huge difference between the two. Because while many times the forgiveness comes with letting things go, there are times when when that's not possible. There are times that with forgiveness... It's not admitting what somebody else did was right. As you've, you've heard me say this before, it's, it's letting go of their neck. It's letting them go so that they don't have a control over you anymore. A control that, that they frankly don't even know they have. Forgetting. There are times that you should not forget when certain things are done to you. 
Those are places where that is kind of a safeguard that says, oh, wait, something's coming. I need to protect myself and not allow yourself to get into that position where you need to forgive again. Forgiveness is a difficult thing. It really is. But as I said, it doesn't have to be. Forgiving others is what we are called to do. So back to the story here. We, we hear in this parable about the size of the debt that is owed. The amount of forgiveness that we need to give each other, each other here is minuscule in comparison to the forgiveness that God offers to us. The parable tells us that, uh, that one is owed, in one translation, is 10,000 talents. We heard 10,000 bags of gold. If we go by the, uh, the exchange rate, uh, current exchange rate, 10,000 talents is equivalent to almost $3.5 billion. That is a debt. Not for the United States, but that is a debt for us. <laughs> this is our debt to God. The other debt was a hundred silver coins or a hundred denarii, which would equate to about 170 bucks. There's a huge difference there. So in this story, God is telling us that we need to forgive others just as God forgave us. Remember the prayer that we recite, we just did earlier? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What if God forgave you just the same way you forgave that person who took that last parking space while you waited for it? What about the person who cut in line or or took the last cinnamon roll or the one who shared hurtful words about you behind your back? No, wait. Did you forgive them? Does that mean that God won't forgive you? These are difficult questions to ask, but ones that we need to, which brings us all the way back to our original story, Jesus, the woman, and the crowd. Were you able to put yourself in the sandals of those in the crowd that day? Were you ready to pass judgment on this woman? And had you picked up your rocks and got ready for the execution of the sentence? Maybe you thought about a situation in your life when you were ready to cast that first stone. Or at least ready with yours after someone else started it. Did you hear the words Jesus spoke about who should cast that first stone? And maybe we need to be changing our minds about now. You see, we all have a choice. We can either throw rocks at our enemies and those whom we wish to pass judgment on, or we can allow the judgment to come from God. We can drop our stones and walk away. We can be consumed by the actions, beliefs, or political views of other people, or we can be in relationship with them. Booker T. Washington once said, the best way to eliminate your enemies is to make them your friend. God's desire is for us to be in relationships with both God and with our neighbors, 
Why else do you think the greatest command would be to love God and to love neighbor? However, you need to see that there is one part of the story that has always bugged me. It's not that Jesus wrote on the ground, and, and now you can see one, uh, one of the thoughts about, about this was that He wrote the sins of the crowd on the ground for them to see. And it's not that Jesus lets the woman go free either. It has to do with the crowd. The story tells us that the crowd dropped their stones one by one and walked away. Yes, we know that it was the elders first, but the fact that they just walked away bothers me. There was no mention of them asking for forgiveness. Now, maybe you're thinking about what they needed to ask forgiveness from, because there's really no mention of Jesus writing the sins on the ground. But we do know that they had sinned, because no one, not a single one, threw their rock. No one was without sin, and yet they walked away from Jesus, the man who could offer the forgiveness and the abundant life that they needed. Don't be like the crowd. Don't walk away from a moment of grace where Jesus offers forgiveness. It's offered here. It's offered now. All you need to do is ask for it. Just as Jesus offers forgiveness to a woman caught in adultery, He offers the same forgiveness to you. Receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ today. As we look back over the series and determine how we can be stone catchers, I hope that you've come to a greater understanding of this story and how it can help you live your life. We can be like those in the community and family to call out those who are judging, call out those who are oppressing, call out those who are excluding others. We can be the ones who put ourselves between the issues, calling for justice and mercy. We can be the ones who will catch the stones even after they've been thrown. We can be the stretcher bearers to bring people to, heal, to the healing touch and the grace that Jesus Christ offers. And we can also be an example for those around us as they watch us drop our stones and not just walk away, but reach out and embrace the marginalized, and the vulnerable. This is what it means to be a stone catcher. This is what it means to live a Christ-like life. This is a story that is brought to us. Forgiveness is here. Drop your stones and welcome your neighbor. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, God, you have spoken through this story and given us words to live by, a story to live by, an example, so that we may truly know what it means to be a stone catcher. And so, God, now I ask that, that as, we, as we take what we have learned and as we grow from it, that you would place people in our paths that, that we can be a stone catcher for. 
And God, even more than that, as we talk about forgiveness today, for all of those who are longing for forgiveness, longing for that abundant life that you provide. God, as they lift up words to you, even in the midst of this prayer saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the times that I have not done your will, for the times that that I have joined in in gossip, that I have joined in in hurtful words, that I have joined in in an action that that is against your will. God, that you would forgive us and that you would offer us abundant life. God, we lift this all to you. In the name of your only Son, the Son who brought us new life, brought us abundant life, and and forgave all of our sins. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so now as we get ready to go forth from this place, let me remind you also of one other thing, and that is that, uh, that somebody had made mention of, a, uh, of the phrase that Jesus says at some of these healings where he says, uh, go and sin no more. Uh, and whether or not that means that, that because of this sin, God caused things to happen to them. And my response was, was that no, God doesn't cause these bad things, and you know this from me for, from so many other conversations, uh, that God doesn't cause bad things to happen, but God will work through them. Sometimes those bad things uh, that happen to us are results of bad decisions uh, that we make. Sometimes they're results of bad decisions that others make. Uh, still, it is a difficult thing to do. But, but know that in the ancient times that uh, there, there was a thought that if you were afflicted, if you were, if you were sick, you were lame, you were blind, it was because of a sin. That was just how they believed it back in, the, in those days. In fact, there was a time when Jesus made mention of somebody who says, who caused the blindness of this man? Was it his sin? Was it a sin of his parents? And Jesus says, no, but God's glory will come from it. Uh, and so know that, uh, that transformation happens, that, that yes, when Jesus says, go and sin no more, Jesus encounters us sometimes in our sin and says, stop, I'll make it all right, but now go. Go and live in the abundant life that I've given you. And so as we get ready to go and live into that abundant life, may we go knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with us, and it goes with us always. Amen.